I actually, someone asked me, and like, I was trying to see what Jesus did, like, what the strategy is, and I was like, okay, there ain't much to go on, you know, because his strategy was simply to pursue the Father and do what God the Father wanted him to do. Now, you know, when we fight against something, we are focused on the enemy's plans, his moves, what he is going to do next, and that determines what we will do, right? If we're focused on him, then that tells us what we're going to do in reaction, in response to what he is doing. And then many times it ends up being that the enemy dictates to us what we should do, and he's in control of everything we do. But when we are fighting for something, we are focused on our strategy and our plan. We're focused on what we are called to do. We're positioned in such a way towards the Father that He can inform us for where He is going so that we can partner with Him and go in the direction that He wants us to go. You know, Jesus never initiated an attack against Satan. He just implemented His plan. Listened to the Father, did the Father's work, and that's what He did. Now, we know that He... You know, casted out some demons, for sure, a lot of demons. <laughs> but that was just as he was going about his business, as he was doing what God called him to do. That was never his focus. And, um, but as he was doing that, walking in dominion, he did expose them and he did destroy their works. And I believe that that is one huge key for us in this area of spiritual war. It's more a matter of how we fight and who leads in the fight. Because that is a change of perspective, change from where you're fighting from. You know, there's something huge about having home field advantage. You know, if you've ever played any form of sports, um, people are always so excited if you play a home game, right? You feel like, oh man, half the battle is won because we're playing at home, and um, I know what's going on here. I know the people that's going to come watch. I know the field. I know how the wind blows, what it smells like when the... <laughs> and that's very far. But um, <laughs> you do know what it smells like. But um, it's just something about having home field advantage, right? And um, it's where we get to dictate the terms of the fight. And how we want... And this is also how we want to prepare our church so that we can dictate the terms of this fight. And not allowing the enemy to dictate for us. So we're going to pick up where JJ left off last week with the armor of God. And um, how he explained how the whole armor of God is scripture. And I know it's scripture, but some of it is also just applied scripture, but still scripture. Um, and I thought we should, it would be good for us to just dive into it. But as I was typing this, I was just thinking of my own journey in regards to the armor of God. I remember growing up in church and just hearing people say, armor of God is very important. You have to put it all on. And that's about where it ended. And you knew, okay, I have to put it on. I don't really know what the heck, but I'm putting it on. So I'm praying, I'm putting on, you know, there's a helmet and there's like a thing that goes over my shoulders and a belt and some shoes and a sword and a shield. So you pray that and then you're like, okay, I mean, and I mean, I just remember praying this, and that was it. Not knowing why I'm praying this, what I'm doing. I just knew it's important putting on the armor. <laughs> because if you don't have the armor on, and they said it's like going to war naked. 
and I don't think that's a good idea, so I'm just putting on this armor and for in case, you know, you never know when someone wants to attack you. <laughs> and, the, and I just thought, man, how weird can we be as people doing things, not knowing what we're doing, but we'll just do it anyways. And um, thankfully not believing or not knowing or at least having more knowledge about why we put on the armor, what the armor is for. And it's not really an actual, like, I have to put on the thing and I do the actions. You know, I was in some prayer meetings where we like, now you put on this, then you put this on, and you take your sword, and then we're ready to fight, man. So let's read <laughs> Ephesians 6, verse 10. You want to turn there in your Bibles. So this is the scripture about the armor. And we're going to quickly run through that. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For you, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So like JJ said last week, all of these different aspects of the armor of God is the word of God. And I um, just want to share some scriptures with you quickly. We're just going to read through them just to show you how true that is. So the belt of truth is the, the word of God is truth. Psalms 119 verse 160. The sum of your word is truth. So 2 Samuel 7 verse 28. Now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true. John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Then it speaks about the breastplate of righteousness. <laughs> where do we find righteousness? Where do we know? Where do we find out that we have been made righteous? In the word. So again, these scriptures teaches us and shows us that we can be righteous. But it's all in here. 2 Corinthians 5 Verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. How do we know that the gospel of, what the gospel of peace is and then when we share it with people that we are actually sharing peace to them? From the scripture, we get it in the word. Taking out the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is amazing. Romans 10 verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Helmet of salvation. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And then lastly, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart through God's word. We can distinguish between right and wrong. 
it is the word, the word, and again, the word. And as I was preparing this, I, was, I just realized that I think we forget what we have. And like the Bible says, the word is Jesus. So when I read the word, I am in communion, in relationship. I'm communing with Jesus. You know, this is what God gave us as a guide to get to know him. <laughs> to get to know who he is, what he does, what his will is, how to follow him, how to live this life. It's all in here. And then, man, if I look at my own life, it's so easy to just let it lie there on the corner of the thing next to your bed. What do you call that? Nightstand. <laughs> uh, now, there's a big difference in how we pray and how we see problems and challenges when we live. Sorry, people are calling me to sell me something, you know. So there's a big difference in how we pray and how we see problems and challenges when we live from a place of who God is and what he has already done. So that is what we are speaking about today, is to change our perspective from where we live and from where we fight. So if we only live in reaction to problems, then I'm constantly living in a reaction to the devil's works. Because we have problems, right? You have challenges, I have some. If you need some, I'll give you some. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so the key for us is to get into this word so that we can start to live from heaven to earth. So that God's voice can replace the inferior voice that keeps coming at us from everywhere. Did you hear that? The inferior voice? Because many times we hear these voices, not voices in your head, but just, you know, <laughs> voices all around us. Sometimes we do hear voices in our heads, but that's not what I'm referring to. It's all inferior. It's thoughts, ideas coming to us, but it's inferior against the Word of God. We were designed for seamless connection with the Holy Spirit. And that should be our focus, removing everything that comes and challenges this seamless connection with the Holy Spirit and adding everything that can help create this seamless connection with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Colossians 3 verse 1 to 3, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Ephesians 2 verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So to sit in heavenly places is more than just a figure of speech. Long time ago, I read this and I was like, this is weird. I'm living on earth. How can I sit in heavenly places while I'm here? Makes no sense. And then you read it and you're like, oh, well, never mind. Let's go, just go on with our lives, you know. Um, but what I realized is that it is a spiritual reality for us as the believer to sit in heavenly places. Because of our union with Christ, we reap the benefit of his position of divine authority. So because we are in union with Christ and he is sitting in heavenly places, we can now live differently because of his divine position of authority. Because of who he is, I can live differently. So as we sit in heavenly places while living on earth, 
We have access through Jesus Christ to all of heaven's privileges and spiritual blessings. I know half of you are thinking like, okay, I'm shutting down right here, right now. Don't. <laughs> just, just, just track with me. So the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is available and working on our behalf as we walk in this world. So we have everything we need in God's word, the truth for every situation, everything that's going to help us stand and live this life from a different place that is called victory and who God is already. So all of these scriptures show us that we can live from a different place. Like I just explained. So I want to do something different today that we normally really haven't done before. I want to play you a prophetic word that was given to the church um, of America maybe four weeks ago. And um, it's given by Heidi Baker. If you don't know who she is, I want to encourage you to Google her a little bit later. Read up on her. But it's someone that we can trust and we know that she can hear the voice of God. And before we listen to it, um, if this is a little weird to you and you've never listened to something like this or never seen something like this, um, don't shut down. Just listen to the words that she's saying um, because that is why we're listening to it. And um, then I'll say something after that. There's a Like an eagle. 
And if you would understand how an eagle flies, I'm going to call you to be able to be snake killers. You're going to be able to go straight down, grab the serpent, go straight up, and you'll fly so high that you'll suffocate the enemy. Because in the heights, in the heights of my spirit, the enemy has no power, no breath, no air. And I want to take you to higher ground, says the Lord. I want to take you to a place of fearless love. And though it'll be the scariest thing, the very scariest thing in your life, I'm calling you to fearlessness. <laughs> and I'm going to push you, literally push you out of the nest. I'm going to push you out of the nest because you're not meant to be nesters. You're meant to soar. You're meant to see. You're meant to soar. You're meant to go. And I want to put my spirit upon you even now. And I'm going to put my destiny in you. And I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you to a place where you warn, even warn those who are chirping with no heads. I'm going to call you to a place where you would warn, even warn those who are running around the yard with no heads. I'm the head, says the Lord. I'm the head. I'm your head. You're not meant to be headless chickens who don't even know when they're running with no head. You're meant to soar like eagles. You're meant to see with eyes, with eyes that are clear and eyes that are bright and eyes that are full of hope and eyes that know how to defeat the enemy and eyes that know how to see what I'm doing and where I'm doing it. And I'm going to take you to a place of fearlessness, to a place of growth, to a place of strength, to a place of might, to a place of glory. And you're going to soar so high and you're going to call others to soar with me, with me, with me, for it is by my spirit, says the Lord, that you will soar up higher than you've ever been. And there in that place, you will learn to soar without flapping. You'll learn to soar without flapping, without sweat, because it will be by my spirit. Yeah. So when we listened to that a few weeks ago, it just resonated with me that it fits in with what we are speaking about, that God is calling us to live from a different place, to live as eagles and not chickens. And it's so easy to live like a chicken. But man, I don't want to be a chicken. <laughs> if I have to choose between a chicken and an eagle, man, no, no doubt I'm being the eagle. <laughs> um, I know there's some chicken people here, not anything against your chickens, okay? But I don't want to be a chicken. I know some amazing friends of ours made our church two sculptures out of wood, two sculptures of eagles. And um, I just felt that, that it fits in. It's a prophetic reminder of who God has called us to be. So soon we'll put them at this entrance and... Um, Every time you see those eagles, may they tell you and remind you if this is who God has called you to be, to be an eagle, to live from a different perspective, um, from a higher perspective. And what she mentioned was that we will be able to soar so high when an eagle catches a snake or when the snake's on the eagle that that thing can't live so high. So when, um, I don't want to go ahead of myself, but yeah, if you want to listen to that, you can, again, you can listen to that again. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. 
So sometimes we get so busy fighting with the devil that it takes up our whole focus, you know. And um, this is just a realization and a reminder that God is calling us to higher ground. Higher ground to rise above the dust. You know, where chickens are, there's always a lot of dust. And this is also the first part of understanding our mission. And that mission includes knowing God's heart and seeing from His perspective. So it's constantly, what is God doing and how can I partner with Him? Jesus was in constant communication with God the Father and doing His will. So how do I rise above like the eagle, above where the enemy can reach him? So I believe the answer lies in emerging ourselves in God's presence and in his promises. The more time we spend in God's presence and in the word, the more we'll get to know him for who he is, and then we'll get to understand who we have become. Right, they, So much changed the moment when you said yes to Jesus. He changed kingdoms. He went from the kingdom of darkness. He moved into the kingdom of light. But all these promises and everything, identity, everything changed. But now it's on us to get to know who God is and get to realize who we have become because we started serving him. When we do this, we will become fearless, what she was speaking about, and we will be able to see and live from a different position. Now, this next part challenged me a whole lot. I know you're always thinking we're preaching up here and nothing challenges us, but this <laughs> is not true. Uh, this challenged us a whole lot. Well, me, I can't say it challenged us. I don't know what it did to him, but uh, <laughs> you know, if you're a Christian and you still have a negative view of yourself, you need a bigger revelation of who God is because that will give you a revelation of who you are so when my revelation of who God is grows I will see myself in a different light as well and that challenged me because there's still some areas of my life that I have a very negative view of so don't feel condemned just feel convicted to get into God's presence even more and to get into the word of God even more. You know, because if every, all you know is all you know, then nothing can change, <laughs> right? So we can't change where we live from if we only know what we know. So God has so much more in store for us than what we have right now. Do you believe that? I honestly believe that God has so much more in store for us. But we will have to go and discover that for ourselves in this word. Because that revelation will get us striving to know more about God. And that's why it's so important to get into the word of God more than once a week. One sermon is not going to cut it. Because it can't transform us fast enough for the, the onslaught that's always coming at us. We think coming to church once a week is going to change our lives. I mean, it does have an impact. But if I don't emerge myself into this word, huh? immerse, yeah, immerse, not really, right, um, into God's word and into his presence. I won't change and I won't get the truth into my life. And those inferior voices will just keep speaking very loudly because they're always going to come. <laughs> you 
You know, I don't know if you've experienced this. I've experienced this many times. When you get into the Word and you, you start seeing the good things God has for you, but the very next thought is, but. Right? Now, the enemy will always try and come and tell you some kind of but. So he'll come and try and convince you that what you read was not for you, that you are not holy enough, that you, he doesn't really love you the same as he loved everybody else. Um, the one I feel like he uses the most on me is, how can you think that your future will look any different if your past looked like this? You know, so many others. And this is where we have to recognize the lies so that you can renounce them. And renounce simply means reject and to stop um, using it. So I always explain to my kids, and Joy will know this, that... When you renounce something, is something used to be your friend, right? So let's take fear. Fear used to be your friend, and you walked with fear. And now you realize, okay, wait, God is my provider. God loves me. And you get this revelation of who God is and of who he has become for you. And you realize that I don't have to walk in fear. But now fear has been my friend for so long. Now I have to say to this friend, say, if you have young children, this happens kind of a lot in school where they come and say, this one doesn't want to be my friend anymore. So that's basically what you're doing. You're saying, fear, I don't want to be your friend anymore. You are no longer my friend. Cheers. But now fear is like those people that will just keep on coming back. I told you I don't like you. I don't want to be your friend. But then fear just comes and tries and says, but I want to be your friend. And then you have to say again, no, thank you. That's how you renounce, how you reject that lie. I know this was like a very uh, plain example, but that's really what you have to do. You have to say, I'm done with you. I don't want you in my life anymore. You have to cast down the arguments. And how do you do that? Truth. Meditating on the truth. Being like a cow. Right? I still don't know. They told me in the first service what it is. Like, what does cow do? cows do? They, like, chew the same food over and over again. That's what we have to do with the Word of God and the truth. We have to chew the same truth over and over again, meditating on it, um, thinking about it, filling our minds with it. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 45 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every petition, no, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So if something has a stronghold on you, simply means it's got a stronghold, right? It's holding you in a place. And if it's holding you somewhere that is not in the truth of God, you have to realize who God is. You have to reject it so that you can break that stronghold over your life. Have you at one point in your life believed that God had something good planned for you? I have. But then maybe some of us have stopped believing because of challenges. Things that just kept on, hap on happening. You started doubting. And now you find yourself in a place where you are no longer led by the Holy Spirit, but you're led by crisis constantly, and you're living like a chicken. It's easy to 
start to live like a chicken. You didn't even realize it. You didn't make that decision, but you started living like that. This made me think of Daniel. You know, there was a new law that came out that said that if you, everybody should only worship the king and if you, for the next 30 days. And if you didn't worship the king, then you will be killed. Daniel 6, I'll read verse 10. Yeah, it says, so Daniel heard this decree was, was made. And then this part comes in. Daniel always prayed to God three times every day. Three times every day he bowed down on his knees to pray and praise God. Even though Daniel heard about the new law, he still went to his house to pray. So he heard that he should not do this, worship God. But he just went about, <laughs> went up to the upper room of his house and opened the windows that faced towards Jerusalem. Then Daniel bowed down on his knees and prayed just as he has always done. So how did Daniel act when the troubles and the challenges came? He ignored it. <laughs> he was like, whatever. That's not how I live. He just he didn't let the situation dictate to him what he should do. He just did what he always done. Pursued God, relationship with God. And he didn't just do it one time. He did it every day three times. I mean, even that challenges me. <laughs> Um, he prayed, he spent time with God, and he followed God's agenda. And the result of that was Daniel was led through a few, a series of steps that he had to go through that didn't only save him, but also saved a whole nation. Living from a different perspective, not reacting to what was happening around him, but acting from that place where I'm in relationship, in communion with God and doing what God wants me to do. Now, the truth is that Daniel was already pursuing God, right? <laughs> he was already doing this three times a day. Um, so when the crisis hit, he already saw everything from a different perspective. And he could fly above the crisis. And I think sometimes that's our problem. You know, we are not spending time with God. And then the crisis hit. And then we're trying to, like, get above it. But we're struggling. And then we drown. And that's why it's so important. There's a saying that we were taught like in our beginning time of ministry that says, prepare for war in time of peace. And not just war, but just when nothing is much is going on in your life, you still have to spend time with God. And I know it's difficult. And I know we are busy. And I know all these excuses so well. And uh, because I've used all of them myself. <laughs> So you are not alone when you're thinking, but she does not understand. I, mm, I got some, if you need some excuses, I have some extras for you if you don't have any. And I, I just, as I was preparing this, I just realized and I just knew that it's time. If we want to, if we want to change and if our, as a church, we want to change, we want to change where we live from, we have to change it. Wow. So I want to share something from our lives with you from many years ago. I guess the years when we only had one child, <laughs> so that amount of years ago. <laughs> um, how this played out, one of the ways it played out in our lives. 
So as we were growing in our relationship with God, you know, as you grow, you get a relation of who He is for you. And we realized that we were allowing the spirit of fear over our finances to operate in our finances. And like we all know, finances is so connected to our whole lives. So the spirit of fear was just doing whatever it wanted to do in our lives because we believed those lies. And people around us, their mouths was filled with just fear. You know, how are we going to make this? The gas price at that point was going up every month. I guess it's still going up every month. <laughs> but it was very, I don't know. It was just everybody had fear on their mouths. Because you could see how the gas price was climbing. You could see how food prices climbed. Every time you went to the store, you were like, I'm, this was something else last week, you know. And, but then we realized we were allowing this lie and this spirit to influence our lives. And... Um, and that we were not living from a higher perspective, where God wants us to live from. And uh, the reality and the truth of God being our provider, God's peace that can rule in our hearts and in our minds. And where we could come to a place where we could trust God to help us with everything that we needed to do. So this is what we had to do. We had that revelation. We recognized the lie. And then we had to renounce the agreement with that spirit of fear. Or tell it, you're not welcome here anymore. I am not allowing you here anymore. We renounced that agreement. And then we had to accept the truth of what God says about this situation. And we had to meditate on that truth. I would cast down the arguments that comes every time. <laughs> and it had to become a daily discipline. And let me tell you, sometimes that spirit, that friend still wants to come. But it comes, but what happens is it just loses very fast. Because we have broken that agreement with that spirit and with that lie. It has no stronghold in our lives anymore. So maybe you're sitting here and wondering, what do I do if I'm already in the war? You know, and there's fire all around me. It's great for telling me all of these things. You know, I should have pursued God, got a revelation of Him, and then follow these steps. And I feel like I'm losing. To, to you, I want to say, just start changing your ways. Change the way that you engage the war. Don't run away for one. Stand. Stand. Stand up again. Let me give you one more example of how to do that. Maybe you lost your job, right? And now you're in a place where you have to deal with that reality that you lost your job. And the way to deal with this reality is to realize that the situation that you're in is not the war. Because many times we are fighting this situation, the fact that I don't have a job. But you have to realize what you believe about the situation. That is the war. That is the fight. That is where you have to change. Because that will determine whether you are going to fight the war like an eagle or if you're going to fight it like a chicken. The eagle says, I guess I lost my job. That is true. But 
What is also true is that God is my source and my provider. Let me go out and see what He has in store for me. Because He who is going to bless me has so much better for me. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. And if you have to sing those truths to yourself, you sing them over and over and over and over, meditating on those truths. Because that is how you rise above the things and you change your perspective to, from where God wants us to be. See, the chicken will go, oh, I lost my job. But it's, you know, I don't know if I'll ever find a job again. And you go on and on and you think like, how will I be able to pay my bills? And it will become bigger and bigger and bigger. And your perspective is just here in front of you because you're looking at yourself and not at your God and what He has said about you. And you have to enter into a season of warfare about the truth of the situation, partner with that truth, lifting yourself up <laughs> higher than the situation, enter into God's presence by praying into that situation. So I want to, before we end today, I want to teach you these four things because when you leave, your husband's going to ask you, what was those four things again, she said. And you're going to be like, I don't know. You're supposed to make the notes. I don't know. She said some stuff. <laughs> so these are the four things that you have to remember. And I'm going to teach you. I'm going to give you some signs because I've realized that we learn with signs. You can um, ask any kid that's in the kids' ministry. They remember the scripture verses because we gave them actions, <laughs> right? So the first one is that how we live from a different perspective is we have to get a revelation of who God is. This is the sign, like your mind is blown. Let me see you make a sign for revelation. <laughs> Some of you are like, I will not. <laughs> I know who you are. I know where you live. I will come to your door and teach you the signs personally. I'm joking. <laughs> so the first one is revelation. And then recognize the lies, right? Let me see you do those moves. Good job, Sophia. And then renounce the lies. This easy. Renounce the lies. And then replace the lie with truth. Right? So, now you just have to remember what it stands for as well. Because <laughs> this morning I'm like, I can remember these things, but what, what does it mean? <laughs> I just want to encourage you all. See God so we can live in that seamless connection with Him. I want to pray with some of you this morning. If you feel like you, you're just at a place where you agree with everything that I'm saying, but you feel like the war is so, like you're in the middle of it and it's in the thick of it and you feel like you're going to drown. You're in that place where you can't see truth, you can't hear God's voice, and you need us as a spiritual family just to say, hey, take my hand. Just help me, remind me of who God is. Remind me of what He has said over my life. That's what we do as a spiritual family. <laughs> it's when I can't see, you can see. So if you find yourself in that place where you're in a deep hole and you need someone to just drag you out of that hole, we want to do that with you this morning. We want to pray with you. We want to speak truth over you. We want to remind you of who God is in your life, what He has said over you. So won't you all just stand with me today?
just as we stand, if that is you and you want us to pray with you, won't you just join us here in the front? If there's anybody else, you can come to the front. And if you're a leader, I want to invite you to come, come pray with the people that come to the front. And I uh, want to just ask them, like, what is the situation? Not, don't tell the whole story just so that they can know what to remind you of. I'm going to pray for us. If you're still in your seat and you know you should be in the front, you can still join us. We'd love to pray with you. Let's pray together. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that, that you are so good and faithful. And I pray in the week that we will, that we will spend time with you, God, and in your in your presence and in your word, that we will find those revelations of who you are and who you've called us to be. Lord, I pray that we would start to live like eagles, that we will be able to live and see from a different perspective. Lord, thank you that you have called us to be in communion with you. I pray that you would show us every lie that is still keeping us down on earth living like a chicken. Lord, we love you. Pray that your presence will be with us this week. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.